The minute I film a video, I'll edit it, upload it straight away. Just get it done and dusted. I gained a million in under a year. Like, it was insane. Hello and welcome to Going Viral, the social media podcast. I'm your host, Aideen Fitzmaurice. The social media landscape continues to grow at a meteoric rate. But as someone who's worked within it, on all sides of the spectrum, I've come to realise it's very misunderstood. That's why I've decided to create a space for open, candid and informative conversation with people who have made a career within this industry. Each week, I'll be sitting down with influencers, content creators, marketeers, business owners and asking them the questions you've always wanted to know the answers to, while also hoping to shed some light on how this line of work actually works. This is a brand new podcast, so if you enjoy this episode, please tell your mates, your family, your partner, even your dog about it. Sharing and subscribing would really mean the world to me. Wherever in the world you are, I'm so glad you're listening today. Let's do this. This week, I'm delighted to be joined by the most followed TikToker in the country, and the insanely talented Miriam Mullins. Miriam has been creating content for years, but it's really since the release of TikTok that she's found her feet. Starting out with humorous skits during the pandemic, she now has an insane 2 million followers. Those numbers are impossible to comprehend for someone like me who can barely do basic maths. A little backstory, Miriam and I met at an Irish YouTuber event when we were both starting out at 19 years old. That was nearly 10 years ago now. (laughs) It's been a joy to watch and support her content journey throughout the years. And I'm now beyond happy to have her here as my first guest on my podcast. Miriam, it's been a bit of a wild ride for us too. Let's go back to when we first met. You were just starting out. What made you start? First of all, thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited. I suppose like I was doing creative digital media in college at the time. I think you did the same course, didn't you? I did communications. So like we were do we yeah. were on such a similar path. And that's why yeah. I was so excited to get you on the podcast because I'm like, I think we've been on this like similar track and we've met a lot of people along the way. Yeah. But you're like the one person that I look at and I'm like, I met you when I was just starting out. You were yeah. just starting out and it's been so amazing to like kind of parallel yeah, go literally. together in this direction. Yeah, it's so cool. Um, Yeah, so I suppose a creative digital media in college was what kind of spurred me because there was a lot of people in my course that were interested in YouTube and I suppose in school I wanted to do it but I was just like everyone's going to think I'm weird, I'm going to get bullied. And then when I went into college, people were more open-minded and they were like, oh yeah, you should definitely do YouTube. So that's when I started YouTube because the people around me didn't care like if I did it or not, like they kind of did it themselves as well. So that's when I started that. Um, And then as the years went on, I kind of found new platforms and I kind of grew like my as a person and I suppose I learned more about how to navigate the internet I guess so yeah that's how it all kind of started. I'm so excited to dive in more to that journey but I think let's start with your younger years because I kind of want to understand your whole journey so what was it like for you growing up? I suppose I was always very creative growing up I loved animals dogs horses like I actually really wanted to, to work with animals growing up like a vet or whatever every time someone asked me what did you want to do when you're older I would say a vet or like a tv presenter or something um so yeah loved I played Gaelic football I still do I adore it um I was actually quite a tomboy like 
I suppose you could call me like a kind of Hannah Montana. Like I was very tomboy. Like I have, I have a brother, an older brother. So I used to always play with him and his friends. Um, we'd be on our bikes and things like that. But then I loved like makeup and fashion. And like my mom has an amazing style. So like I always admired her for like outfits and style. So do you think looking back at, let's say, four, five, six year old Miriam, this was kind of a line of work that was always paved out for you. This is funny because I did speech and drama growing up and when I was about seven I developed extremely bad stage fright like so bad like if you ask anyone around where I live I remember I did Jack and the Beanstalk when I was about I think I was eight and I was actually the role of Jack like I was really good like I was actually really good little actress like so good but when it came to doing it in front of people I just froze and I was like vomiting before it like a little eight-year-old vomiting and my parents were like ringing my speech and drama teacher like she can't do it like she's sick she's so nervous and she's like no just do it and when I went up on stage I was absolutely fine and that happened that used to happen to me a lot I'd get super nervous there was the I actually there was a few times I did Fesh Matthews and I just did not go out um I was so bad but I think as I got older I kind of just got a bit more confident like I don't know what it was I don't know where the stage for it came from um but yeah I used to be super nervous so like I suppose people kind of thought oh god bless her like the poor thing like you know this isn't for her like her and then I did quit for a while I quit speech and drama and I was I actually missed it so much because I loved it but I just thought it wasn't for me like this isn't for me so when I went into secondary school um my school had a speech and drama um kind of I'm gonna actually say uh, the name of them they're called Manforts they're like a performing arts college in Cork they're super duper well known like really good they're in my school and I was like oh my god I'll join them and I kind of just grew my confidence through that. I did like Lambda exams and things like that. So that was in front of nobody. You just do it in front of one person. So I think that really helped me gain my confidence because I was getting like distinctions and stuff. And I was like, okay, maybe I'm getting this back now. Maybe this is good. And as I got older, it just kind of gave me a bit more confidence. Mm. And how did yeah. you find school in general? I absolutely adored school. Like I I still make videos like giving tips for school and people are like, you're like 26 and you're still doing. But I'm like, do you know what? Like I had such a positive time in school that I think if I can kind of project that on other people to help them, if you're they're not having the best time, then I mean, that's great. Like hopefully it helps. But I do have a lot of people saying, oh, thanks so much for the study tips, whatever. Um, but yeah, I loved school. Like I went to an all girls secondary school. I went to a mixed primary school. So I actually found that transition very weird because as I said, I was such a tomboy that going from, so my sixth class, there was only six of us in my class. Wow. And then I went from that to like a secondary school of like a hundred girls in my year. So it was a massive transition. But yeah, I just, I suppose I immersed myself into it. I made like in first, second and third year, I had like all these different groups of friends like I didn't really have like a set group of friends but as I got older I actually went to Irish college from the summer going second third year and I met one really really good friend from that and then I just joined her group and we just that was my group of friends then for the last four years nice so yeah and what about college so you studied digital media did you like that as much as you liked school Honestly, I didn't enjoy college itself, but I loved the course. Mm-hmm. Um, I did really like my course. It was a, it was the perfect course for me, exactly what I wanted to kind of go down. The course is very broad. We did animation, we did film, photography. It was just very broad. There was no specific kind of direction. Um, but I did actually find the transition from school to college very difficult. 
Um, cause like in my course, there was, I didn't know anyone in my course. It was like starting from scratch again. Um, but it was fine. Like as time went on, I just got on with it and I made a few friends and yeah, it was actually fine. And what did you do after college, Miriam? I actually worked in hospitality since I was 15. So I worked in the same hotel for eight years. Um, and I actually loved it. And I was really considering actually going down that route of like, um, hotel management because that, that was something else that gave me confidence was like meeting people. Like you, you learn so much from hospitality. I know people give out about it. It's like, crap money whatever but you learn so much as a person and you make your best friends there like I made all my friends there I'm still to this day friends with the people I used to work with a couple of years ago um I learned so much how to speak to people how to have manners how to deal with certain situations at a young age I think it's great um I loved it I actually absolutely loved it like working weddings till two o'clock in the morning and like the stories that you'd hear from it like oh my god it was so funny people coming in then the next morning with the fear being like I'm so sorry oh we used to have like the best times um so yeah I took a year out worked there then for the year after college um because I kind of didn't know what I wanted to do I was like will I do a master's will I do this will I do that and it was then that somebody approached me would I be interested in going abroad to Florida to work in a hospitality so I was like do you know what I've actually always wanted to kind of move away for a year or two travel whatever so I was like why not and my aunt actually lived in Florida like 20 minutes away from where I would have been working so I applied for the um it was through an agency called um Workaway so I applied and I actually came up to Dublin I did a couple of interviews with a few different country clubs and I got the country club I worked in it was called Boca West so then from there I applied for my visa I got my visa they covered my flights and I got my accommodation and everything and then I moved over so that was that yeah and then it was actually when you came back from America that's when like your whole yeah. kind of content journey started exploding but we will get yeah. to that in a minute <laughs> um but I did just want to kind of dive in and ask about you're in your hometown now right yeah so how does that feel now because you've had such growth as a person like as well as growth in your business and your profile how does it feel when you're kind of walking around your hometown popping into the local shops and kind of seeing people this probably sounds really, I don't know, is the word obnoxious, bad or what, but it's honestly the only place I can go to and feel like I can walk out in my pajamas and go into the local shop and no one will care because they know, oh yeah, it's Miriam, like it's fine, whatever. I feel super comfortable. Everyone's so lovely. Everyone just understands that, that that's what I do, whatever. Whereas if I step into like a town a couple of miles up, I don't feel as comfortable Mm-hmm. just because of experiences I've had I can get into that in a minute but like it's grand like I'm I've learned to just kind of not care about what anyone thinks and things like that but I feel so myself in my local area my local town and it's just me and no one cares do you know what I mean yeah. so it's great so do you think you'll be there for, for the rest for, of my yeah. life more yeah. than likely I love that that's more so than nice. likely yeah love it <laughs> so you're now a full-time content creator yeah what does a typical day look like for you Oh my God, every day is different. Like every, like, so today, for example, um, filming this podcast this morning. Um, then this evening I'm going on the six o'clock show. So like I could have one day where I have so much going on. Um, I'm actually 
kind of like my routine now in the next couple of weeks is going to be a lot different to what it used to be because I actually I'm starting radio presenting <gasps> with a, I haven't like announced it anywhere inside scoop yeah it's <laughs> <laughs> literally probably the first place I've said Congrats, it that's amazing um yeah so I was up there now yesterday doing training like learning how to use everything all the equipment like it's just mad like it's like a different world but it's so cool like I love it so I'm doing that um from March onwards I'll be doing that four days a week four nights a week so I'm really excited for that. Um, but like just a normal day, like I'd wake up, I'd bring my dog out to the toilet and I'd make my breakfast and whatever. Um, I normally don't film content until after about two or three because I just find, I don't know what it is, the early, if I film it early in the day, I'm like, actually, no, I don't want to post that later. I'm so really? weird. Yeah, I'm, I'm very weird. I'm the complete weird. opposite. I have to film first thing in the morning. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. Like, And the thing with TikTok is people are like, oh, how many drafts do you have? And I'm like, I actually have none. Like the minute I film a video, I'll edit it, upload it straight away. Just get it done and dusted. Wow. Yeah. Unless it's an ad and it has to be approved and whatever. But I am literally like, get it up, get it out. That's it. Yeah. Like, out, like, oh. Do you think that that's maybe a key to your success? Because there's very few people in the country who have as many followers as you do. So what makes you kind of unique in... I don't know. Like, I honestly don't know. Like, when people say that to me, I'm like, literally, I just think I started at the right place at the right time. And when I started off, I just posted like six videos a day on TikTok when not many other people were doing it. Mm -hmm. Whereas now the app is a bit more saturated. There's a lot more creators on it. So... I don't know. I think it and it is a lot harder at the moment to grow. Like at the start, I was growing at such a rapid pace. I think I gained 100K in like two months or something. I gained a million in under a year. Like it was wow. insane. Whereas now, like I've been I hit two million just after Christmas. So it's nearly the end. It's nearly it's February now, like a month later. And I'm still I haven't even gone to the next 2.1 or whatever like it's a lot slower mm -hmm. but it's still growing like it is but it's just because there's so many other people on the on the app now that it is a lot harder to grow and I think that is it's like an ebb and flow yeah so like you have I'm I'm kind of in my uh flow on insta but like my tiktok's really slow and I think they can kind of go up yeah. and down between the two of them your instagram is amazing your reels <laughs> I literally watch them like bulk watch them all the time they're so Thanks, good girl. So what has been like the biggest change in your life since you have hit the two million mark? Um, well, God, since I hit two million, it's honestly just kind of been the same as what it was when I hit. I think it was after I hit one million that things really started to change. Um, I'm getting like the most amazing opportunities I never thought I'd get like the late late show like never like that was one of my dreams like I always actually I wrote that down a couple of years ago saying if I put it, if I'm on the late late show I know I've made it so that was just <laughs> and you've amazing. been on it more than once yeah which is crazy <laughs> um no it's it was the most amazing experience ever so nerve-wracking but so good um but I suppose personally I'm a lot more aware of what I'm doing and my surroundings like I barely drink anymore when I go out on a night out someone actually came up to me recently and I wasn't drinking they're like oh can I get you a drink like or whatever I was like no I'm fine and they're like do you not drink because you're really anxious that people are looking at you and I'm like not really like I, like, I don't mind but I'm just like people record everything yeah. and like I don't want like like poor um that guy Harris that was on Love Island that video of him fighting like it's awful but like people just record everything and they want to find anything to like get you cancelled or whatever so that's like my biggest fear is like 
getting like cancelled I know it's so bad to say but I don't want that to happen because that's my career gone Mm -hmm. and I'm so aware of like just being careful of things I say and what I do when nights out it's a good thing too I suppose because it kind of keeps you on your toes but definitely Mm -hmm. a lot more aware of my surroundings and stuff what's one thing you wish people understood more about your line of work definitely my personal life um people think that they know me and stuff like that and they assume stuff and all that kind of thing and I had one of my friends recently got her nails done and she said her nail appointment the girl that did her nails was just asking her so many questions oh I heard this about Miriam is this true to that my friend was like where are you hearing this from (laughs) like what like Mm. just bizarre things like um but look have you ever like googled your name and looked at any of the forums or anything um I did it uh I'm gonna say about a year ago Mm -hmm. never again yeah I think it's one of those things you do it once and you're like I will never put myself through this again there's just no need again and I had I had someone tell me about something that was written about me and I looked it up that was only a couple of months ago and I actually was like why did I do that Mm -hmm. I think it's like a form of self-harm if you go on and read those things about yourself it's harming your mind it's not good yeah and I've started saying to people around me if you see something I'd actually rather you just didn't tell me because no matter what it's in the sphere my thing is like out of sight out of mind so like if I don't see it it doesn't exist Mm -hmm. so to me they don't exist if people are tweeting Twitter is the same I cannot look my name up on Twitter because I did in the past and I just said never again Mm -hmm. like it was over like people just always have something to say be it good or bad and I know there is a lot of positivity out there and people will back you up and will write nice things about you but people the one comment on the video yeah Yeah. because we are born with a negativity bias like we will see it's like I always compare it to you know rubbernecking like if there's a car crash everybody's driving really slowly on the motorway looking at the car crash so true and you're drawn to that Mm -hmm. and it's like you could have 200 comments being like you look amazing and one person's like your hair looks terrible today and then (laughs) then that's it like you're hyper focused on this one thing how do you set boundaries then as a content creator with the people who are watching yeah where, where where can you set your boundaries to be honest this probably sounds a bit bizarre but I actually like to like if I meet my my followers I guess the word out and about I actually want to get I'm like Harry like are you in school like are you in college like I want to get to know them I want them to know I'm a normal person mm-hmm. like I'm just you know because they follow me obviously I want to get to know them too like I've actually made friends with some some people that follow me like it's it's and I think if people do step over the line you have to block them mm-hmm. like if they're going to be sending you horrible dms and things like that and I've had to do it in the past where you know, like I had someone before take pictures of my car and send it to me. And I was like, I'm blocking this person. I don't even like I can't even yeah. be bothered. Like um, it's just the best thing to do. Yeah. Like just ignore it. And- I've gotten a few DMs, especially recently of people saying, I saw you today. Yeah. I liked your top. Where did you get it? Or something like that. And I'm like, that makes me as a person feel really insecure that there was somebody in a place that I was in yeah. looking at me and I'd rather they just came up and had the chat and I'm always on for the chat I'm like oh my god how are you like thanks so much and I think that's why 
with this podcast, I kind of want to open that dialogue because I haven't really heard content creators discussing it. And it is important for us to kind of set these boundaries and be like, we're normal people. And I don't think anybody would feel comfortable with somebody texting them and saying, I saw you walking on the street today. I don't know about you, right? But with me, I know straight away. And I know this sounds so like, I don't know. (laughs) But I know straight away when someone knows who I am, right? Like I could be in boots just chopping and I could see someone. You just know like the eye contact or the way they're looking. Yeah. It's bizarre, isn't it? Yeah. Um, like even the other day I was I, t- I was out walking with my dad and I'm bringing him out walking once a week because he <laughs> needs to get out and about. And he was like, Some, that person over there is looking at you. They definitely know you. Like my family as well are starting to pick up on it. But sometimes I, I just become numb to it in a way that I don't even realise it half the time either. Yeah. So like I could get people being like, oh, you ignored me. And I'm like, oh, my God, no, I didn't. I'm so sorry that that has rarely happened. Like once or twice it's happened. But I don't know what people expect when you're out and about. But I adore when people come up to me like I've had people message me being like I was too afraid to come up to you. Yeah. But I kind of get it at the same time because people just don't have the confidence sometimes to do it. And the Irish experience is Asher, leave him alone. Like she's sitting down there now with her friends. We won't bother her. (laughs) But like you'd actually rather they bother you than slide it. So do you get stopped every time you leave the house? I wouldn't say every time I leave the house. Um, like, as I said, in my local area now and local town and things like that. And it wouldn't, not really. Um, you'd get people that'd be like, hi, how are you? Whatever. Um, but if I go up to Cork City or Dublin, it would happen a good bit. Now, I know this kind of sounds like I, like if I want to go out and get stuff done, if I want to do my food shop, if I wanna, I'll go when the kids are in school. I'll go at like nine or ten o'clock in the morning. Mm. Um because you get the odd one or two person or the odd ma'am that'll come over and that's absolutely fine. But, you know, I have had experiences where I've gone to like Liffey Valley on a Saturday at one o'clock and it's it's tough to get stuff done. Mm. Um, but I don't mind it at all. I love meeting people and I know that I'm like, hey, I'm going here on a Saturday, like there is going to be kids here. It's absolutely, you know, expected mm-hmm. sometimes. But I don't mind that at all either. I just kind of know the times when if I want to get something done, I'll go early in the morning, blah, blah, yeah. whatever. Yeah. So you can just structure it that way. Yeah, yeah it's not been too bad. A time where fans have maybe overstepped the boundary a little bit? Um, I don't think so. I like the only thing I don't like is being recorded mm-hmm. when I'm like I've been followed around shops and stuff and people recording me. Um, there was a TikTok came out last year of me literally and it's so annoying because the backstory behind this is we were actually driving myself and Tian and I know I don't even have to explain myself but we were driving and there was this bunch of kids like waving at the car and I had football training in like an hour so I was like Tian look we'll just pull in we'll take a couple of photos there was about 10 kids right they were like screaming they were like so excited it was so cute but one of the kids was recording the whole thing Mm -hmm. so I was meeting all these girls and boys and like taking pictures with them it was so lovely and one of them was like can you make a TikTok with us and I I was like I'm so sorry I don't have time and I was really nice like I even watched the video back and I was like I wasn't and people were commenting it being like she's so nice whatever but then there was other people being like who does she think she is because I just said look guys I'm sorry I don't have time I have to go somewhere Um, I didn't even explain myself but as that people will look at the negative and be like who does she think she is like these people but we literally pulled our car over mm. to say hello to these kids yeah. um, and it kind of upset me because the video went like kind of viral like it has like half a million views it's mad, like this kid posted it on TikTok. Um, yeah, it's crazy. I'll actually show it to you after so you can see it. <laughs> but um, yeah, like it went viral and 
the comments are very 50-50, but I was like, look, I can't do anything about it. They don't know the full story. The kids who met me know the full story. Mm-hmm. Just one of the kids decided to post it. It is what it is. Can't do anything about it. It's just made me more aware, I guess, that... Yeah, look, if there is a child, like, there was 10 kids there. I was like, if I do one with one, they'll all want one. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Because exactly. it's happened, like, you know, yeah. so. And why do you think it is that you, as a creator, appeal to a younger audience? Because that kind of, for me, makes you stand out from other creators in Ireland. Um, The younger audience is great because with that comes mom and dad, sister and brother. Mm-hmm. Um, So, like, I've had, I've I went into a cafe yesterday, buying a coffee, and this girl was like, my sister loves you on TikTok. Like, but I know for a fact, like, not saying this, but she probably follows me as well, but she's using her sister yeah. to kind of, like, because her colleagues are around her or whatever. Do you yeah. know what I mean? That happens a lot. And um, she literally sent me the picture after she took a picture with me and whatever. And she was so lovely. And she followed me, like, so I was like, you know, like, <laughs> you do get that with kids because they tell mom and dad, oh, my God, mom, look at this. I even know myself. If I see a funny video that I think my dad might like, I'd be like, dad, look at this. And he'd be like, oh, who's that now? Show me what's the name. Like, my dad's only recently gotten into TikTok, like, literally the last month. He loves, like, the food reviews and stuff. Tell him to follow me. So. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> he loves food reviews. Um, So he's been following a couple of people that do that. Um, But it's funny how it kind of multiplies when you have the kids, the brothers mm-hmm. and sisters, the cousins will start following. And I think that's why. Yeah. Um, And I guess I try and get my followers to engage so I'm like you know um like I'll do a get ready with me and be like how are you guys getting on in school have you got exams they'll reply in the comments because like TikTok algorithm is so funny right if you post a one minute video and like the longer someone watches it the more TikTok pushes it out so like if someone's commenting that's going to take about 10 seconds of their time to comment Mm -hmm. that's another 10 seconds of them watching the video if that makes sense so the more your followers engage with your content the more TikTok will push out your videos do you think that this affects the content that you create that you have a younger audience is there stuff that you would like to post that you maybe kind of hold back on honestly not at all like recently I've been posting a lot more stuff to do with my age like I went for my smear last week I was petrified to go I post about that kids were like what is a smear (laughs) you know I'm not going to reply to that kind of thing but like I'm I just turned 27 like I'm god I'm on the other side of 25 you know what I mean um, and I think I'm kind of in the next couple of years, I'll be settling down, hopefully, you know, hopefully I'll be blessed to have children. And like, I want to bring that into my content as well. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, yeah, I guess recently I have been a lot more and I've had people say to me, why do you do content for younger people? And my friends have said it, like a year ago, they're like, your content isn't something I'd watch. And mm-hmm. I really do really appreciate when people tell me that because mm-hmm. I do take it on board but I think for so long that kind of content like the Irish mammy skits the school tips whatever were doing so well for me that that's all I knew and that's all I kept going with yeah but now I'm doing more get ready with me I'm doing more days in the life I'm kind of being a bit more real I yeah. guess um and people like that and that's really nice as I've been following you literally since you were 19, so nearly 10 <laughs> years now. But like seeing that content journey and like even from your yeah. YouTube, like everything changes and that's OK. Yeah. And that's like a really good thing to see in a creator is that like they are versatile. They have grit. Yeah. They can switch it up. And that, I think, is what makes a content creator successful because they yeah. don't just stick to one thing. They can move from one to the other. They can shift with the times and your life is going to change as you get older, as is everybody's and people can come along and see that. And also like the audience who maybe started following you during the pandemic, they are now two years older. 
Yeah. So they're also kind of growing up with you as well, which I think is really, really nice. True. So true. So you have a bit more of a perspective into this younger generation than the rest of us would. Do you think that their social media habits are a little bit different to ours? A hundred percent. I actually have a friend who is a, a teacher and I kind of be asking her, like, what are the kids into these days? And like, <laughs> to be fair, she tells me a lot like and that helps a lot, too. Um, but yeah, I, I'm so glad we didn't have social media when we were in school. Like so glad, like I think I just, Instagram had just come in and YouTube was there too. But like to the extent it is now, it's a different level altogether. Like I don't think I'd be able to study or anything. Like my phone is such a distraction. I do put it away a lot. Like if I'm cleaning, I listen to a podcast or whatever and I'll just put my phone away. Um, But I think it's like taking over people's lives. Mm -hmm. Like let's be real, like it has. Because we had, when I think we were the same years in school. So we had like Snapchat in sixth year. Did you have Snapchat? Yeah. And I remember like the buzz going off in your pocket when you were sitting in the class and that was totally new. Like you would have never, you might have got text messages, but like who was really texting? So like that was the stimulation of like having this thing in your pocket and like the itch to grab it. And like I can't even... Imagine now with TikTok, Instagram, everything else. It's just crazy. It's a totally new world. Yeah. So as you mentioned, you went to America pre-pandemic. You're working in a hotel and you fell in love mm-hmm. with the lovely Tion. Um, he's now your boyfriend. You said his name. Perfect. Tion. People can't say his name <laughs> at all. It's so funny. So uh, watching this journey of your relationship has been amazing because you were together in America the pandemic hit, mm-hmm. you had to be separated mm-hmm. for nine months. Yeah, nine months. Yeah, I did my research. <laughs> and then we saw the reunion video. Yeah, it was incredible. So why do you why did you choose to share your relationship online? Because I, I'm very I actually think I'm very open. I do share a lot like people do know a lot about my life. There's actually not a lot that I have hidden or whatever. Um, and I just, I asked him, I said, are you like, if not, absolutely no problem. I know some boyfriends are allergic. Um, but he was like, no, yeah, we'll let's do stuff together. Like, let's do content. It's great. Like he was so up for it. Um, so that's just kind of, I didn't actually look into it too much. And I know there's some relationships out there where people are so invested Mm -hmm. and like, People are kind of invested in ours, but like not the level I've seen other people. So I'm kind of grateful in a sense. Yeah. Because Tian's on social media as well. He does the odd TikTok here and there. I think people don't care as much. But when a boyfriend is kind of secretive and he's kind of in the background, people are a lot more like obsessed mm-hmm. from what I've spoken to from other people, other friends who are in relationships um, and things like that, who are influencers. Like they've said that it's a bit intense. <laughs> and do you think that... It's good that Tion kind of has this insider knowledge because he's doing it himself. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, Tion um, does marketing as well. So he's actually on the other side of, I guess, what I do. Um, so we kind of help each other out a lot. He helps me with my content a lot. I help him with his. Like he's up the walls at the moment. So with work and stuff. So the last, honestly, the last six months I've been being like Tian do this video do this this is trending you do this we'll do this together honestly he can't like his brain he just doesn't have the like the time really mm-hmm. to come up with the ideas yeah so I'm there it's my job I'm like hey this is trending we'll do this yeah that's but, actually so fair because I was in marketing before I left my job last February and as soon as I left my job I was like wow I have a wave of creation and inspiration because so much of your energy goes into your nine to five job that as soon as you finish you're like I'm exhausted (laughs) and what has been your biggest relationship learning 
Um, long distance was 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 obviously it was so tough, but it was great for us, I think, um, because we learned that you know sometimes in life, like we're not gonna like. John, there's some nights now where I have to come up to Dublin and stay the night for work or I'll have to go to London or whatever. And we've done that for nine months. So we're absolutely fine about it. And we've learned like trust, like we trust each other so much. Mm-hmm. Um, like I hear friends that are like, oh, my boyfriend wants to go on a J1 or whatever for three months. And I'm like, girl, that's nothing. <laughs> that will fly. 12 weeks, it's grand. Um, but people get so like, oh my God, I don't know. Like what if he sees another girl or whatever? Me and Tiana are so chill. We're like, he's like, yeah, if you want to go for two nights, fine. I'll mind Lucy. It's grand. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're just, we're literally best friends. Like Tiana is my best friend. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why we work so well. I know? also think like looking at kind of content creators, I know being one myself, being in a relationship, you need to be with somebody who is okay with you being an yeah. independent person because you have a lot Definitely. of time where you're going to have to be distant or you're going to have to like hyper focus on some kind of job and even events like I knew because I first started dating John when I was kind of going I was started going to events mm-hmm. and like a green flag for me was that I could go to an event and just like leave him off. Yeah. And he would just chat to people and I was like, oh my God, ideal. Yeah. Because you just couldn't have somebody like grabbing onto your hand being like, I'm uncomfortable. I yeah. want to go. Because like it's, and like some people are like that, but I needed somebody that I could feel comfortable to just like 100%. leave off. And yeah, I, I think in our line of work, having somebody like that who's just chill and independent is is a great thing to yeah. And I can tell you and John are like best friends as well, like yeah. from your content. You know what I mean? He is my best friend. Yeah, yeah. it's great. Like, isn't it? <laughs> sure isn't it lovely? Lucky. <laughs> so one of my big goals for this podcast is to actually shed light on the inner workings of this industry. So I'd actually love to chat to you about your co- content creation process. Mm-hmm. So first off, what does your content creation process look like? I do a lot of like research. So the time of year is massive for me. So for example, right now, mocks and pre's are going on uh we're coming up to valentine's day so i kind of think like what's going on right now that could be trending i used to like brainstorm i used to get like out my pen and paper and like write down stuff but i don't really do that anymore like i just kind of use the notes on my phone mm-hmm. or like i could get like an idea at like one o'clock in the morning honestly <laughs> and i'd write it into my phone and it's normally the best ideas i get at that time it's mad um but yeah that's how i do it and then i'll film and i'll edit upload like literally that's pretty much it if it's for a brand an ad it's a totally different story like a lot of planning and you need to write out a script and it's a different ball game altogether but yeah I guess I'm kind of used to it now so yeah, it's like a muscle memory yeah so how long do you think it would take you to edit a video for a TikTok yeah um it could take me from the quickest I've edited one is like five minutes to an hour Okay. It depends. I yeah. think the most I've had to is an hour, I think. Yeah. It's funny because we both started on YouTube and I remember spending yeah. like a full day editing a YouTube video. Mental. And I'm struggling so much to keep YouTube up because yeah. it's just so easy to make TikToks now. So easy. But yeah. like YouTube is st- like still my favourite to when, when I'm with my friends, we'll all sit around and we'll like watch the old vlogs from college. Yeah. And like it kind of captures a moment a little bit better than a TikTok might. But 100%. I'm just like, uh, it's just so hard 
it to is. find the motivation to edit YouTube videos now when yeah. you can edit a TikTok video in five minutes. And I think people don't have the attention span anymore. Like yeah. I even find the only thing I actually watch on YouTube is like podcast videos or yeah. I just love true crime. Like true crime <laughs> is my favorite thing ever. I have like three YouTubers I watch that do true crime. Um, but that's all I watch. Yeah. I'd rather watch a makeup tutorial on TikTok than on YouTube now. I'm the same. Do you know? Yeah. Yeah. And what's your screen time? Oh God, I don't know. <laughs> I think I can check. Yeah. Um, I actually check. I, I'm going to guess and say. Mine can go up to eight hours, which is absolutely disgusting. Really? On average, eight hours a week. But I will say part of that would be watching Netflix. Part of that would be Google Maps. If I'm driving to a location, some of my shoots are yeah. two hours away. And then when I'm shooting for a full day, that's obviously all your screen time as well. But I don't know. OK, I honestly don't know if this is bad, but my daily average is four hours, 53 minutes. That's quite good. Is it? Yeah. Most okay. people, I think, are around the six hour mark that are like in the content creator industry. Yeah. But I've had weeks when I'm up to eight and I'm like, that is absolutely disgusting. I know. <laughs> Insane. Yeah. What do you think is the hardest part about starting a TikTok? Fear of what people think of you is a massive thing. I've had young girls message me being like, I really want to start TikTok, really want to do Get Ready With Me's, but I'm afraid of what people in my school think. Like, honestly, if you live your life caring so much about what, and I know it's so difficult. Like, I was like that too. I mm -hmm. was. I didn't do YouTube in school for a reason because yep. I was scared. I was the same. Yeah. But, like, honestly, we're, we're in 2023 now. Social media isn't a taboo anymore. Everyone has a phone. Everyone has Instagram, TikTok, whatever. Most people do anyway. Um, But I just think it's the fear of what people think of you that mm -hmm. will stop you. I think the hardest part is actually getting to the 10k mark. Once yeah. you get to 10k, it's like walk in the park. It's muscle memory. You're you're yeah. on the right track. You know what you're doing. But like the judgment around getting to the 10k. So if you're on the 2,000, the 3,000, 4,000 mark, I think more is said. It's like, oh, look at her now. She's trying to get it. She's trying to get into the yeah. Instagram. And you're like, well, you have to start somewhere. Like yeah. it's, it's a journey. Um, but I get that question a lot. It's like, how do you start? How do you start? And I'm like, starting is the hardest part. But mm. like once you start and once you just like keep putting it out to the universe, it'll yeah. all come back to you. Yeah, 100%. Can you explain to people who might not understand how content creators make their money because yeah. I was actually going over these questions this morning and I was talking to John about it and I work in this industry on both sides mm -hmm. and I was explaining to him that on TikTok you don't like make money from TikTok because we don't have the creator fund in Ireland yeah and he was like what <laughs> I was like okay we need to dive into this today <laughs> definitely like I think people when they see that I have like two million followers on TikTok that I have like two million in my no like you could have 10 million followers on TikTok and get like 100 million views on all your videos in Ireland and you don't make an absolute cent. Mm -hmm. The only way on TikTok you can make money is if you go live and if people send you gifts. But like that is just 10 euro off a live is a lot of gifts. Yeah. It's very rare. Like it's very, very rare that you'd make a lot of money. Um, I actually, my agency is based in, in London and they over there, like they have TikTok shop, they have creator funds, like... And TikTok shop is like good, like you get paid good money to do it, but also you get commission off the products you sell. Yeah. But we just don't have that in Ireland. So it's kind of annoying. But um, like how I'd make my money is like a brand would reach out, I guess the same as you. And 
they'd offer you like they'd have a budget and you'd say look I can do a TikTok for that or a reel or in like, stories whatever um or you'd give them your rates they might ask you for your rates and then that's how you how you get paid also I do appearances at teen discos um I don't really charge to go to schools at all. They, I own like sometimes they'll offer to pay for my petrol. That's it. That's fine. I don't want money for schools. So I do talk sometimes in schools. Um, and then other things, I guess, like, I don't know, I could be asked to do something so random. Like I was asked to do a sports day with Sports Direct <laughs> last year and it was unreal, but it's like promoting their brand. You yeah. know what I mean? So yeah, like there's different ways, different. If you have a brand or a product, that's another way affiliate links um but again there's not much money in that but it's Mm -hmm. it all adds up I suppose yeah so the moral of the story here is like the main revenue stream for content creators in Ireland is brand deals at the minute because we don't have the creator fund on TikTok so talk to me about the lines of communication between an ad so you mentioned you have an agency Mm -hmm. and one thing I try to explain to people all the time is an ad is not just like oh we have loads of money here you go will you make mm-hmm. something and you just throw it up it's like there are maybe five different groups of people involved in the communication so can you tell yeah. me a little bit about how that works there's a lot of kind of middleman back and forth so basically I have an email and it's I have access to it and so does my manager so I see everything that comes in my manager is like oh just see that came in today like are you interested do you want to try out the product first before you go ahead so that happens a lot where like for example a shampoo company will come in and I try out the shampoo first um and then I'm like yeah it's actually really good like I'd actually love to work with them or a brand will come in that I loved or that's actually happening a lot recently where brands see I'm using their products and they're like oh we saw Miriam use this and her get ready with me we'd love to work with her um so then I'm automatically like yes love the product um whatever and I'll work with them but how that happens is my manager will send my rates to the company They'll come back. It's normally through a PR agency. So like, for example, a company like okay, I'm just looking Canon, <laughs> they'll have a PR agency. The PR agency will reach out to my manager. My manager then will re- will send the rates to the PR agency and the PR agency goes back to the brand. Exactly. So that's that's how it works. So there's yeah. a lot of moving parts. There is. Uh, to ads and yeah. they can take a lot longer than you might expect. When it comes to ads, what do you think is the biggest misconception? I guess that like people don't know that the, the, like I've had ads where I've had to reshoot like eight times and that could take a week yeah because like as there's a lot of middlemen so the brand mightn't get back for like a couple of hours and then the PR agency and yeah so I've had ads where it's just been honestly a total and utter nightmare but like you can't complain about it because you're getting paid to do it and you like you just can't give yeah. out but just keep going with it and try and do like or I've had you know brands that have given me a brief and then they've decided to change the brief after I filmed the content that happens to me too <laughs> yeah yeah it's frustrating but look it is what it is and I think people don't realize that they can be difficult like yeah. some are super easy like some brands are so easy to work with like I'm not even going to sugarcoat it like just film the video and it's grand throw it up yeah they don't care um but then there's others that are a lot more specific about what mm-hmm. they want. And like, that's okay too, you know? I think it's been really like a valuable lesson for me in the last two years to kind of build a network and like 
reach out to other content creators more yeah. and have the chats with them because I'm like we all have the shared experience that people are maybe I love that a little bit too afraid to talk about but you're like yeah sometimes like ads are just really hard to do and yeah. I just want to talk to somebody who understands that when you're on your sixth take yeah your creativity is stripped a little bit like uh, definitely my, my misconception that I would use is that like some briefs are amazing and they're like do whatever you want and you're like yes yeah and then sometimes you get really excited about a brand and then you get the brief and it's like ha- you have to say this you can't say this and yeah. it's really really um kind Even of to your the clothes point. like yeah. what you're wearing like they're very specific about what they want like some of them it's crazy yeah. what's your biggest insecurity in your content and about your social profile um it was my teeth until I got them done <laughs> honestly um but that's that's I'm so happy I got them done like it's something I've I've been so insecure like because you see your face all the time when you're filming yeah um so that was my biggest insecurity but now I honestly not like there's nothing really that I'm like I just accept myself for who I am and how I look and that's it do you know what mm-hmm. I mean Sometimes my hair, I'm like, I just want to do something nice, like <laughs> cut it all up or like dye it blonde or whatever. But everyone's do you, like, don't do it. What are your feelings on the word influencer? I know people don't like the word, but that's that's what we are. We are <laughs> we are influencing people in some way, shape or form. I prefer the word content creator. Me too. So if I'm doing something and they're like, oh, like, what would you like us to say is that your job is? And I'm like, content creator. Or you can say TikToker if you want. Mm -hmm. But I prefer content creator. Why do you think people don't like the word? Because they're like, oh, I've had people are like, but what are you influencing? Like older people. Okay. What are you influencing? And I'm like, (laughs) young boys and girls. I don't know. (laughs) Like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, it's, it's. It's it's it is a good question. Like, what exactly are you influencing? Because I make comedy skits, so what am I influencing there? Do you know what I mean? When yeah. you think about it, yeah. But I think it's just even no matter what you're doing, if you have that many eyes on you, you're going to have an effect on people, and that's probably yeah. where it comes from. But I I'm like fed. I'm like at a point where I'm like fed up of people being like, I hate the word. I hate the word. I'm like, you hate the word because it's been put on you that this is something shameful. Yeah. When actually it's you know a pretty normal career to have in this day and age and uh like would you ever get embarrassed if somebody asked you what you did no not really like if I I remember I was on a plane to London there last in November I was sitting next to a man he was like oh what do you do for a living I'm like oh I just work with social media yeah and like sometimes I'd be like oh like what what do you mean by that and I'm like I work with companies I do advertising for brands and you don't have to go into the nitty gritty of it. Whereas sometimes people are like, oh my God, are you an influencer? Like you, like some people know straight away, then others don't. And I don't mind kind of saying it really. Like I don't, I'm not embarrassed or ashamed or anything, but. It's funny because like I, I used to work in an advertising agency. And if I told people that I worked in an advertising agency, they'd be like, oh, cool. And I'm essentially doing the same thing, but off my own platform yeah. now. But it's like this totally different meaning. Yeah. Um, it's just, yeah, I don't know why there's such a negative outlook on it. But maybe it's because it's a little bit misunderstood and people yeah. are like, sure. Sure. Yeah, sure. What are you influencing? So I'd love to finish this episode with maybe some words of wisdom mm-hmm. to aspiring content creators, because I'm sure uh, hopefully they're the ones that are going to be listening today. So how do you battle the fear of starting? Um, Just genuinely go for it. Just do it. Just post it. That's the hardest part is the first video. 
after that it'll get easier and easier and easier it's like anything you need to start somewhere um like for me for example with the radio the first episode I'm going to be the most nervous it's going to be the toughest one but as time goes on it'll be fine it'll be secondhand nature to me hopefully um yeah you know the first one's always the toughest once you get that over and done with it'll get easier do you remember what your first video was yeah what was it (laughs) do you remember what yours was yeah so mine was uh three different hairstyles um no three braided hairstyles I think I was so American like <laughs> back in was it like 2000 and 2000 and, no god 2000 and what 14 it would have been 2013 2014 yeah, yeah. 2000 and, I think it was 2014 I started but yeah three uh braided hairstyles is what oh, I wow. did and then my second one was 15 facts about me that was my second one yeah because we were doing 20 facts we did a trend that was a trend on youtube at the time keen toomey did it yeah and then i like was like i'm uh doing this video inspired by keen keen toomey yeah and i was like 15 facts about me because i was watching it the other day i was like this is hilarious yeah it's actually still up there my first video was um there was this song called Afterglow by Wilkinson. If Becky Hill is the singer on it. And it's like, Afterglow. Yeah, I actually know it, yeah. So the music video was about this couple and it was their whole life in numbers. So it was like 22 birthdays and four skinny dips in the sea. And it was like all this stuff that they had done together. So I did my first semester in college through numbers. Okay. So I did like 14 late nights in the library and three oh drunken bus journeys God. and whatever and but that you did a my, video on it yeah that's actually so good so that was my fair. first youtube video and every time i hear the song now i'm like this is where i came from <laughs> no that's so clever actually when you think about it like what is the best advice you have for somebody who wants to create content but doesn't really know where to start they can't really find their feet in their content um, journey i would say if you really want to start maybe look at the trends what's trending at the moment um that's a good place to start they always do kind of well um or like find what you like like if there's any hobby you love if it's gaa if it's like swimming whatever do content on that people are so interested in like there's people that love what you do as well people similar to you that love that kind of thing or love sport or whatever like I follow all sorts of pages like farm pages animals because I love animals do you know what I mean but just do something that you like I think like I'm obsessed with people who have really niche interests yeah (laughs) like farmer will yeah God love him like it's so funny like if you're so passionate and invested in something people will see that and I think that's probably a really good place to start what do you think the secret sauce is for TikTok? Is it like showing your face in the first three seconds? Is it posting time? Um, Definitely keeping your content short and sweet. Like if you can keep it under a minute, brilliant. It's quite difficult to do that now because they have the three minute thing and it is still push. It is It does still push out longer form content too, but the shorter the better because the more replays it'll get. Um, also jumping on trends. Um... I know it's oh, it's really bad to say it, but TikTok does have a bit of an aesthetic as well. Like if you kind of present yourself well and like I come on some days with no makeup on, I look like crap or whatever. And those videos never do well. It's so weird. <laughs> but then when I actually kind of put on a bit of makeup, not much or do my hair or whatever, they kind of do a bit better. It's very weird. 
And it's so interesting. And if you use TikToks, um, TikTok loves when you use their content. So people say, oh, like, do you film your videos outside of TikTok? No, do everything in TikTok. Use their effects, use their voice filters, use anything you can to do with TikTok. Put the text on the screen from TikTok because TikTok loves to push out its own content. I've noticed that myself over the last yeah. few months because when I first started on TikTok, I would edit in the app and then I got lazy and I started just doing everything on InShot. And yeah. the views are totally different. So yeah. I definitely need to go back and start editing within yeah. the TikTok app because like their software actually is quite good. So good. It's the same with Reels. Like people always say, don't have that TikTok logo in your Reels because then it won't get pushed out. Mm. And it's so true. Like Reels so is the true. same. They yeah. want their own content being pushed out. How do you grow on social? So how do you get like the follows? Um, I think being engaging going live is great you might get 20 followers from a live but if you do four or five lives a week that's 100 followers when you think about it mm. like I come off lives and I've gained more followers off a live than what I gained the day before from posting three videos it's very interesting because like you could be live and just say oh guys like just click the plus button above my head there um that's like you following me or whatever like it'd be you know whatever you can do that and people do because they forget like people might come across through your videos and they won't follow you Mm. um but like I don't like to ask people to follow me because I don't want them to feel like they have to and if you don't want to you don't want to it's fine Mm. um but yeah I guess like yeah just being engaging asking questions being like oh comment below what you think of this people will always come back or do a part two, like part one. Oh, part two will be up next. Do you know those like story times or whatever? Yeah. People love a part two. <laughs> I find TikToks so unique from other platforms because you actually, if you asked me, oh, do you follow this person on TikTok? I'm like, I'm not sure because yeah. they just come up on your feed all the time yeah. if you watch them. So it's, I think it's a much harder follow button yeah. to, to get clicked as a creator yeah. it's much harder to get the following on TikTok so yeah. it's absolutely incredible the numbers that you have thank you so much Miriam and thank, thank you, you for being so open and candid don't forget if you enjoyed this episode I would highly like I would just love it so much if you clicked subscribe and shared it with your friends and I'm so excited to bring more episodes to you so stay tuned for those and we'll see you for the next one bye